1: This is The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Your Word is sharper than any 2 And it cuts deep into my heart
1: The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life.
3: Welcome to the program. I almost said welcome to the Monday show, but it's not Monday, it's Tuesday. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything and everything. All you need to do is call us, 210-340-9585, if you live outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can go to our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope you had a great Labor Day holiday. Um, I was here, but got to get out a little bit early and some good stuff. So I hope you had a great holiday. Hope you're rested and ready to go. We love your calls and questions. Let me get to my first question. It is a question from Annette. She says, I have a question, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, forceful men lay hold of it. What does he mean by forcefully advancing and forceful men lay a hold of it? I'm wondering what he's saying because it seems out of place. First, he's talking about how great John the Baptist is and how uh, the least in, uh, will be greater than him. A uh, little confused by the forceful words and who are the men. Hope the question makes sense. It does make sense. This is a question that's caused a lot of difficulty for centuries. People debating what it means. This is Matthew uh, chapter is it chapter eleven? Mm-hmm. Chapter eleven, and this is verse twelve that she's talking about. And this reference to violence has been debated, as I mentioned a moment ago, throughout uh, the centuries. Um, and and obviously it, it's. Something that causes the, the the debate is that the Greek there, it's very difficult for us to grasp. Um, I personally think, and this is all I can do is give you my opinion on this, but I personally think that what Jesus is saying is that his kingdom is advanced by overcoming intense spiritual opposition and only men and women who are committed to fighting for it are going to really impact the world that we live in. Uh, being a christians a Christian is no place for the faint of heart. We've talked about that a lot on this on this program in in response to questions that we've we've had um uh, being a Christian, doing the work of God, being faithful is for people who are tough and I say all the time in response to questions that we we Christians, especially in the west uh we've got to toughen up we can't worry about what people think. Um, about us, we can't well, our job is to declare the Word of God the truth of His word and the purpose that Jesus came, lived, died, and was resurrected to accomplish. So um, that's the best I can do, Annette. Unfortunately, um, we just don't really know uh, any more than that. So I hope that helps. Here is a question. This one is from Seth and he wants to know, is the Orthodox Church heretical? Um, Seth, a, that the, the answer to that question depends on, on um, whether or not penal substitutionary atonement is an essential of the historic Christian faith. Um, um, if, if it's not, the Orthodox Church is not heretical. They're wrong on a lot of things. They have a whole bunch of, of theological and doctrinal problems, uh, but not heretical. Now, if in fact... Penal substitutionary atonement is um, an essential of our faith and and I lean to the to the fact that it that it really is um, then it would be heretical now penal substitutionary atonement, what the orthodox church does not believe in, is that Jesus died on the cross in our place and took on him the sins of all humanity and also the wrath of god now isaiah fifty three indicates that he did. Um the, the 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 punishment for our peace was placed upon him. Now we know Jesus died for the sins of the world, the Orthodox would admit that, but but they just don't think that God is angry at sin. And and here's the problem, God is angry at sin. So I, I just don't know, Seth, how you can be um a Christian uh and, and at the same time not believe in the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ on the cross. So th- that's the answer. And, and um, there there are an awful lot of people who um, don't consider that an essential. I do. Uh, you know, we've got people uh, who are out there now um, who are, are reframing the letters of the Apostle Paul. Uh, N.T. Wright is a good example. And, and, and as the church gets further and further away from the Word of God, and and I think falling away toward heresy. Uh, he's getting more and more popular because it just satisfies people's emotions. Um, but the reality is that, that Jesus is, uh, God is uh, angry at sin. Uh, he is just and he's holy and he has to punish sin. And that's why Jesus asked, Father, if there's any way this cup could pass from me, um, let it be so, three times. It's, it's why Jesus could cry out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was going to take the punishment for their sins. Uh, he who knew no sin became sin, literally. He became the sin that I'm guilty of. Uh, and, and if penal substitutionary atonement is not an essential of our historic Christian faith, then I don't know how you describe that. I, I don't know how you do it. So, said. I think it is. Now, having said that, I want to say this as well. In every facet of the church, whatever they call themselves, there are people who don't really know what they believe. Their heart is for Jesus. They haven't really dug into the word. And and there are genuine believers in the Orthodox Church. And that that same thing goes for for churches around the world. You remember uh, years ago now, um, the Coptic Christians... um, uh, from egypt uh, they were they were beheaded by Isis, and all they had to do was deny their faith in Jesus Christ to save their lives and they didn't do it jesus uh, I- I'm certain welcomed them into heaven. Uh, their faith was real and it was genuine um, and and I know Orthodox Christians who uh, really truly do believe in Jesus Christ. Um, they just haven't been taught and they haven't really dug it out for themselves. So, um, uh, you know, individual Christians, separate them from the church, the teaching of the church, I believe, Seth, is heretical in that regard. And they have other issues as well. Hope that helps, Seth. Thank you very, very much. Valerie asked a tough question. She said, how can I best deal with horrible thoughts and even dreams? Um Valerie, I share um, your battle here. Um, I have terrifying dreams. And, and even when they're not terrifying, they're just the strangest, most unsettling things. And and I deal with that nearly every night. I go to bed and ask the Lord to protect my heart, my body, my dreams. And, um, you know, it's just something that we have to deal with. Uh, and here's what I've done over the years. Um uh, let, let me let me separate the two. First with thoughts, um you have to take the thought captive. It's like the devil is going to use the thought to try to to frustrate you, but you've got to remember where the source of that dream is, who the source of that dream is, and then what you do. Valerie, as you just take it, you say, I know that's not from you, Lord. I don't want to think about that, Jesus. What I'm going to do is think about you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 was a big help to me when I was going through all of that, Valerie. Uh, And, um, you know, it's something, frankly, that you'll get used to. The the thoughts keep coming. Satan keeps pushing all of the buttons. Uh, All you've got to do is, is push those buttons back off. The buttons that he's pushing in the on position. Dreams are even harder because you wake up from a sleep and you're troubled by, by it. And and uh, I, I think you just got to get to the point where you 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 decide that that's Satan messing with you at night, um, and they're just gonna be part of your life. And God's grace is sufficient. I know that's true for me. Um, but um, there, there are nights. I tell Paula, I don't want to get in bed. You know, I've had three, four nights in a row with these terrible dreams. I'll say, Paula, I'm so tired, but I don't want to get in bed <laughs> because I don't want to find him again. I think you just have to deal with. Um, it's a fact of life. The enemy's going to mess with us, and all we can do is trust in the Lord. Uh, his grace is sufficient, and if we understand that, then Valerie. Um, those horrible thoughts and the the evil dreams um, don 't have to be something that causes you a great deal of problem i wish I wish I could say they 'll go away, but they haven 't done that for me, so that 's as honest as I can be. Um, Nelson asks the question, Pastor, do you allow hymns during your worship services? Yeah, Nelson, of course, we allow hymns it's it's um, I think our general Worship style here is contemporary Christian music, Uh, but we have a lot of people that like hymns. I like hymns, and we work them into our worship sets Uh, quite often. We had a guest, a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Kevin Green from Fort Bragg in Northern California. Uh, Kevin, he's the one I, I shared when he was here that he's the one who wrote and performs the opening song uh, for this radio program and our teaching programs that are on as well. Uh, and he sat down at his piano when he was here doing worship, and uh, it was just wonderful. And he, he he did mostly hymns. I mean, it was really, really a nice thing. So, yeah, we do allow hymns during the worship services. Uh, they might have a little bit of contemporary flair to them, but, but we do allow hymns, and we like them, have nothing at all against them. Good question. Jake asks, when churches pass offering plates, does it violate the command to give privately? What do you do? Um Jake I don't think it violates the command to give privately. I don't think anybody's looking in your hand to see how much money you're putting in an offering plate and whether it's offering plates or a hat that's passed or a old chicken bucket or something that's passed. I don't think anybody's looking in. So no, I don't think there's any violation there at all. The the the, the uh uh exhortation uh, is is to not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The idea is to do it just between you and the Lord. And I think we can do that in an offering box or an offering uh, bucket or whatever it is. Um, Jake, you ask what we do. We have never passed an offering plate. We've never asked for um, a, a dime in in our twenty seven years. We have offering boxes. Um, at the back of our sanctuary and out in our foyer such as it is um, and and people uh, put the money in uh, we we make an announcement about offering it takes maybe 30 seconds at the most to give it uh, and so we just don't make a big deal about it but um, that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do we do that for one reason one reason only that's because we believe i believe with all of my heart that that's what god's instructed us to do our work is unique. Uh, it's it's um, um, a work by faith. God's asked us to trust him. And what we do is we certainly leave um, the giving, the amount of giving, in God's hands. And we don't do anything. We don't sell anything. We don't uh, manipulate people emotionally to try to make them give. Uh, we never let our needs be known. Those are the two things. Never let our needs be known uh, to anybody and not to pass an offering plate. And and we trust the Lord. You know, Jake, it's interesting. I had a woman in the church, uh, going back now probably 10 years, but she she got frustrated with me. She said, but Pastor my gift is fundraising. And uh, I said, but, but God doesn't want us to do fundraising. And that's why he said, but you're not letting me use my gift. And I finally said to her, I said, look, um, i don 't know how much you think you can guarantee, but we 've been here now if if it was ten years ago i 'm just going to use these numbers uh, we 've been here seventeen years, and god 's been very faithful we 've done it his way and and back then uh, it didn 't cost us as much every month as it does right now uh, and and I, what I told her i said look if you can 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 guarantee more than fifty thousand dollars a month and that was a long time ago if you can guarantee more than $50,000 a month then you want to do it she goes well nobody can guarantee it and I said that's my point God has covered our expenses every minute every day that we've been here for all these years now Jake uh, uh, it costs way more God has expanded our ministry in doing things and um, uh, we we, do, we give st- everything away for free here and um Uh, I've got just three ministries here at the church, just three. And and that doesn't count the radio programs. It doesn't count all the evangelism work we do. It doesn't count um, all the other stuff that we do. We have, I I don't know, 90 or so ministries here at the church. But just the three major ministries, free doctor's office, free school. And then we have a a place called Manor House. uh, A house was given to us. And uh, we have a place where women can can go, uh, whether they've uh, been in trouble or they've been sub victims of abuse, uh, they can go and get their life turned around again. And it costs them nothing. We buy the groceries, we pay the utilities, we do everything. Uh, we have somebody who's, who lives there with them who supervises the ministry. And just those three ministries, just those three now cost us in excess now of one hundred and ten to $120,000 a month. So um, we're, we're content to leave that in the hands of the Lord. Uh, if I tried to take that responsibility, Jake, not only would I be old, but I would be dead by now. So I hope that answers your question. There's nothing wrong with churches that pass offerings, and it doesn't violate the command of God to give in private. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Timothy says Is the war in Russia a harbinger of World War Three? Uh Timothy, I don't think so. No. I, I don't like the word harbinger because of the book uh that was written that was just so goofy and so out of balance with with uh, with the word of God. Um but but I don't know. You know, when uh, Nazi Germany started uh, invading its Eastern European neighbors, um, nobody thought that was going to lead to World War II, th- uh, and yet that's exactly what eventually happened. So, no, I, I don't think it is, but but I don't know. You know, Timothy, when the, uh, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, you'll hear war about wars and rumors of wars— uh, it's not the kind of war that that a world war really was. Uh, these are wars. Pe- people group against people group. The Greek word is ethnos, and it, it's it's often translated nation. So it's nations against nation. But it's it's more like little skirmishes. We I, I did this in a study not long ago. Um, we we don't even know what a war is anymore. Um, you know, the war in Afghanistan um, wasn't really a war because we never intended to try to win it. Um, so you know you 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 see these things, and you just don't know. Uh, here's what I know: Jesus is coming back soon, and we need to be ready. So uh, I don't think Russia's uh, attack on Ukraine. Uh, by the way, it's not going very well. Um, rumor is very strong that Putin is sick. Um, uh, I worry about. Um, you know, his goals always been to restore the glory of the the uh, Soviet Union, the USSR. And um, um, I, I'm worried about if he gets really sick or his time comes close to the end, what he'll do. But um, one thing that we can know for sure is God's in control of this. And there's just no way to know. No way to know. Reggie says, Oh, Reggie, you wouldn't like my preaching. Reggie says, uh, "I think there should be more fire and brimstone style preaching." Um, uh, I I don't know why you would think why, why you would think it's it there should be more of it. I think there's plenty of it already. Um, you know, one of the one of the real freedoms that I have, Reggie, is that I teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We started a book, and we don't end until we get to the end of that book. And then we start a new book. And I like the balance it presents. I like the balance that it presents. I've had a lot of people tell me my voice is too soft. Um, I actually had somebody tell me that they, they need their pastor to make them angry and shout at them. And And I just said, well, this isn't going to be your church. I've never even raised my voice in a message, Reggie. Uh, if I did, I've got one of those weak voices that that if I raise my voice, it's harder to hear me than if I just talk in a normal tone. Um, so I, I don't think so. I think, I think we got to remember that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. Uh, God's grace is unmerited favor and I don't think there's any value in shouting at people and pointing fingers at them. I will say this, Reggie, I'm very, very, very direct. I don't hold anything back, and I teach it as the passage comes up in Scripture. And there are a lot of passages that talk about being alert, being on guard. We're at the end times. Uh, sinners are going to be punished. And and um, so, so, Reggie, I, I, I think that kind of balance uh, is only provided by uh, pastors who are faithful to teach the Bible. You know, one of the problems with uh, topical sermons, and I think that's probably what most uh, churches are doing now, um, I think the problem with topical sermons is that you always end up getting what the pastor wants to preach, or you get his passage of scripture. Uh, if you get a pastor that likes um, fire and brimstone, uh, then that's what he's going to preach, and there's always going to be uh, the boogeyman around the corner. Um uh, I just, I just think the way to avoid that is to teach the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, in context, and I think uh, if we do that, Reggie, I'll be able to say, uh, along with the Apostle Paul in his farewell to the Ephesian elders, he said, uh, "For I have not um, failed to to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God." And that's what we want to do. We want to to um, proclaim the whole counsel of God. And and boy, God's love for us is first. God's grace toward us is next in terms of priority. Um, God's holiness and the fact that he hates sin, uh, these are issues that I think the only way you can get any balance at all is to teach the Bible. Just as it comes up, so I hope that makes sense to you, Reggie. You know, um, if I had to um, think of sermon series or topical series, uh, if I had to get up and say okay lord what do you want to what do you want to say this week? What do you want to preach this week i 'm not that creative and and that would kill me i don 't think I would still be able to be doing what I do. I love the fact. That I'm kept within the confines of the Word of God. Uh, we just finished um, on Sunday. Um, uh, we're, we're in the, the Olivet discourse. Just finished it and, and, and just got into John chapter 14. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 14. And that's where we're going to go right back uh, the very next Sunday um, um, when people show up. And I think they can read ahead. I think they can understand the context. I think it really helps people to understand the Bible. Reggie, thank you for that. We're inside of two minutes. Bruce says, how would I answer someone who says that the devil was made up by churches and isn't real? Um, Bruce, I, I would, you know, uh, there there are a lot of professing Christians, not real Christians, but professing Christians who, um, who want to, Explain the devil away. I always ask him, okay, well, who was Jesus tempted by in the wilderness after his baptism? If the devil's not real, who is that? How do you explain it? And did Jesus, was he lying to us? So I I just, I don't take those questions seriously because they're not honest questions. Jesus spoke about the devil a lot. He spoke about hell a lot. He spoke about eternal torment a lot. And when we want to just sort of get rid of those things, dismiss those things that make us uncomfortable, um, what we're doing is we're dismissing Jesus. And that destroys the value that the Word of God has. It makes Jesus a storyteller, a liar. So I would just tell him, look, you really don't want to know the answer to that, do you? Is it going to change the way you feel about God? Is it going to change? Are you going to actually start looking for something? But you can go through the Bible. Uh, Who who was it that that entered into the throne room of God and asked for Job? I mean, over and over and over, we see the references, clear historical references to Satan. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left. The phones are quiet. We'd love your calls. 340 9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We will be back in two minutes.
1: to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh
3: welcome back to the program 30 minutes left for your calls and questions 340-9585 let's go to terry on line one from san antonio terry thanks for calling you're on the air
2: it's always fun. I've got a little passenger with me who uh, wasn't going to ask the question, but <laughs> then she decided to ask it, and uh, uh, I think it's. it's your, I, was, I wanted you to answer it.
3: <laughs> okay. uh, Terry, so, yeah. I would rather hear from her than you any time.
2: I know it. Here's Arabella. So I to pass her around ask her question. Hi, Pastor.
3: Hi, Arabella. How are you? Good. Good. What's your question?
2: Do angels love the humans? No, no, you asked that before. You asked about about sin. Oh. Oh, yeah, does God get mad when you do sin, or does he just get sad?
3: Good question, Arabella. Terry, um, I'm sure Terry's taught you this, but God, he gets sad. Now, God is angry at sin, but he doesn't get angry at the sinner, his heart gets broken. Now, if you're a Christian, and Arabella, you, you are. I, I had the honor of baptizing you. So um, if you're a Christian, when we do bad things, it just hurts his heart. It's sort of like a parent. You know, when when you do something bad, a parent, their heart hurts because they have got to discipline you. Well, God is exactly the same way. So he doesn't get mad at you. But his heart hurts. What he gets mad at is the, the fact that when you do things that are wrong, when you sin, he gets angry because that sin keeps you away from being able to talk to him and being able to hear him. And then when you repent of that sin, everything's okay and you can talk to him again. But the, the reality is that he just, his heart is broken, so I hope that helps, Arabella. He could never who could be angry at you? When you sin you say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that anymore and he forgives you instantly. And when he forgives you, your relationship with God is full and vital all over again. Thank you, Arabella. Terry, thank you for letting her
2: Well, uh, thank you. I wanted you to answer that question because every every time i she I'm telling Pastor Ron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, good you know, answer but you need to hear it from the boss.
3: Yeah, and you know, Terry, that's there's a good there's a good application there for us because I think there's a lot of us as parents who misrepresent God because we do get angry.
2: Yes, we do. Yes, we do.
3: Yep. And we should never discipline our children in anger. Uh discipline right. them, yes, but never ever in anger, but just that's from right. from the perspective of a broken heart. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate it it very much. Absolutely. Oh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks so much. Okay. God bless. Bye. I had a question the other day about what's the best part of my job. Um, I I, I've watched Arabella from the time she was an infant, and watched her grow into this this young girl who loves Jesus with all of her heart, and it's just uh, those are the really really wonderful things. Oh, good question. Here's a question from Scott. This one from our mobile app. He says, there's an article out today on Britney Spears where she claims she doesn't believe in God anymore. Why the fuss when they never ever truly believed in him before? Her words, God would not allow that to happen to me if God existed. Uh, I don't believe in God anymore because of the way my children and my family have treated me. There is nothing to believe anymore. I'm an atheist, y'all. And then this is Scott again. He says, I feel sorry for her, but this is such a secular view of how God is to them. Uh, but it's really not our God at all. How I hate this type of misrepresentation of our Lord. It makes life hard for us born-again Christians. You know, Scott, let me disagree with just one thing you said. This doesn't make our life hard for born-again Christians. Not at all. Uh, the secular view, what do you expect from people that are secular, from people who are not believers? Brittany Spears has never been a believer. Uh, I know she was raised in a Baptist home. Uh, the dynamic in her family has never been godly. Um, it is a mess. They have sold their souls for for money and uh, families absolutely ripped apart um, so here's what you do whenever you 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 see something like this that upsets you you begin praying for her. You begin praying for her. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Right now, the most powerful weapon um, that that we have is that the Holy Spirit is still chasing her. God loves her. And um, we need to be um, people that that will pray. Uh, I don't expect anything from the Britney Spears of the world. Um, That She says she doesn't believe in God anymore. She had maybe a, 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 a tiny little girl's faith, but Uh, The way she's lived her life, there's no indication at all. So don't be surprised that she's secular or this is a secular view. This now, Scott, is the world that we live in. It is the world that we live in. It's not going to change. It's going to get worse. It's our responsibility in the middle of this to stand with and for Jesus, period. And, um, you know, the, the life that people like this lead... Uh, this is the best life, and she's had a miserable life, but it's the best life she's ever going to have apart from getting born again. So that's what we pray for. Remember, people that hate God are not the enemies of our message. They're the objects of our message. I was one of those people that hated God. Look what he did. So pray for them. Thank you. appreciate it, Terry. Uh, appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five 9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Stephen from our mobile app. As Christians, is it okay to buy lottery tickets and play the lottery on a weekly basis? Uh, Stephen, you're free to do that if that's what you want to do. It's not smart, um, but it's okay to buy lottery tickets. And, and and to play well, a lot, it doesn't matter, if you play frequently or infrequently. Um, you know, there's no prohibition against buying lottery tickets. I told you it's not wise. Um, you understand the odds, I'm sure. Uh, but but here's the biggest problem with buying lottery tickets. Um, it sets us up for false hope. We go, we buy a lottery ticket or 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 several. And we hold on to it and we hope, hope, hope. And Jesus says, hey, hey, here I am. How about hoping on me? Putting your hope in me rather than a lottery ticket. So um, Stephen, hope that makes sense to you. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's not sin to do it. Um, but, but I wonder if Jesus is in heaven saying, well, why didn't Stephen trust me? Believe me, the odds are a lot better on Jesus than a lottery ticket any day of the week. Here is a question. This one is from Mike. Hello, Pastor. Hope you're having a wonderful uh, day, and I pray you and Mama Paula are well. Thanks, Mike. Um, He says, I'm married to a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, And then in parentheses, he writes, I got saved after I was married. Uh, And and, uh, so we do family Bible study throughout the week. I open with prayer, but my wife closes in prayer. I was wondering if she should open and close and she isn't saved and that her Heavenly Father doesn't hear her prayers. Is it the enemy planting those thoughts? No, um, Mike, um, uh, Mike, it's not the enemy at all. She's not saved. She has no um, platform from which to uh, to pray. She has no connection to Jesus Christ. Uh, There's no access to God uh, that she has. Um, she is um, as a Jehovah's Witness. She doesn't believe um, that Jesus is the Creator God, and you got to believe in the Creator God to have an, a relationship with Him. I know they use the name Jesus. I know they talk about Jehovah, um, but but that that cult is just uh, um, destroys. Um, the, the reality of of who our God is, so uh I, I would do the Bible study with her um, and i would i would I would start with who Jesus really is um, but uh, why would you want her to pray um, and, and I would tell her that too I, I would not not being unkind. I'm just saying that, you know, only born-again Christians can pray and have their prayers heard. Only born-again Christians are going into heaven. So so why would, why would we pray knowing that God can't hear our prayers? That is not the enemy planning those thoughts. Uh, and as you said respectfully uh, when you wrote, wrote the question, Mike, uh, my answer is also respectful. But use the Bible studies that you're doing at home. And God bless you for doing it. Keep doing it. But, but evangelize her witness to her um, remind her always that she's got to um, she's got to be saved you want her in heaven and she's not going to heaven this isn't a matter of well you know we just have different religions um, John fourteen six, Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me so um, my tell her who Jesus is. That's what the Bible studies ought to be all about. Thank you for the question. I had another question up here. For some reason I lost it. Okay, now we've got another mic online one from San Antonio. Mike, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
2: Hey, Pastor Ron, how you doing?
3: Well, Mike, thank you.
2: I was just listening to the previous call. And uh, yeah, obviously it makes perfect sense about God not hearing the prayers of non-believers. But when it comes to salvation, uh, and I know people pray for, Christians pray for their lost loved ones. But what about a person that's seeking the Lord? And I, cause I remember when I got saved many years ago, you know, I, knew, I I believed in God, but I wasn't ready to make that commitment but I am mm-hmm. certain that I prayed as a non-believer and I, and I'm not trying to, to split hairs, but I just wanted to clarify, like, so I'm, so I'm a, at the time, I'm a seeker and I, and I, and I, and I know I need Jesus. And, and I, but the interesting, interesting thing was I got saved through Christian radio. I had a mm-hmm. I had a job uh, driving cars and there I would listen to pastors all day in the car. Huh. And then one pastor got on and I, I, I believe it was the Holy Spirit calling me to the church, to this particular church. And I went and of course got saved, but you know, I feel like I was doing some praying myself. Can you clarify for me and maybe someone else in the audience about that? Is that a does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. In fact, Mike, that that's kinda of my story. Uh I prayed all the time as an unbeliever. Um and and when i was praying um my my goodness i, I if if somebody would have told me god's not here in your prayers i said yes he is i'm a nice person um but but it's it's simply not true so uh i i get you because that's where i was now uh we know that god is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him and you were earnestly seeking him mike and 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 he knew it now you didn't know how uh and and uh, you know, I'm not ready to make that decision was your was your thought process uh, but like you, I knew I needed Jesus. I just figured that I had to to fix things I couldn't come to him with my life in such a mess, so I'd fix it, and then I'd go to jesus so but 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 God knew that I was looking the same way for you, and so he he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I would also bet almost anything Mike that there were a lot of other people praying for you. Uh, we know that because when you're seeking him, God's going to arrange things in your life to frustrate you and get you to a place where you have nowhere else to turn. That happened to you. It's what happened to me. And uh, that's just God's faithfulness. God sets his love upon us. Romans eight twenty nine 29 uh, is one of my favorite verses. It's so personal to me because... My paraphrase is that that God decided in eternity past to set his love on me. And no matter how hard I tried to change his mind, I couldn't. And Mike, that's him just constructing things in your life. He knew there was a day when you were going to receive him. Let me also say that when you uh, felt the the prompting to go to a particular church, you heard something Uh, that happens here at our church all the time. People say, well, I listen to you on the radio and I just had to get here and I don't know why I'm not a believer. It's God who's answering the prayers of other people and constructing circumstances so that that person is at the right place at the right time to hear it. Now, it's also... I'm sure true that there were a lot of people that shared Jesus with you. They were planting seeds and others were watering seeds. And that day when you were in your car and you, you heard that particular pastor, uh, it was, it was God saying to you, go listen. Uh, I, I actually got my call to be a pastor on the radio. Um, uh, it was Raul Reese who's now a good friend. um, uh, he was teaching on the qualifications of pastor, and it was I was in a car by myself in a traffic jam in California, and and uh, it was it was like Jesus was in the car saying, "Okay, turn that up, pay attention, because this is what I'm going to have you do." Um, so yeah, that's just God rewarding the, the the earnest, the diligent seeker, and I'm glad He got you, Mike. But in terms of hearing our prayers. Um, the only prayer that God can hear from an unbeliever is, Lord, save me a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. And then when you do that, of course, then everything else opens up. But yeah, um, I prayed all the time. You prayed all the time. And God, because he knew you were going to come to him, uh, was faithful. Really good question. Thank you, Mike. This is a Mike day. This one is from Mike All from our email inbox. Hello, Pastor Ron. I pray you are well. I am Michael. Thank you. I was reading the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 9. I know the dragon is Satan, who was cast out and was told in reading the Bible that there must be precepts upon each scripture. Now, I'm not sure what that means, Michael. As I started looking for one, which sounds similar to be Luke, chapter 10, verse 18, upon studying, I found uh, through the beginning creation, Satan Called Lucifer was cast out of heaven, as stated in Isaiah fourteen verse twelve, and took a third of the angels with him. My question is, in Revelation twelve nine, what would be the description, deception. or what would be the deception of the whole world stated in this chapter? Uh, what is many deceived by? Um, that, that's a little confusing to me, uh, Mike. Uh, Michael, when we get to the end time, for Revelation chapter twelve, um, we're in the great tribulation. And Satan, because he knows his time is short, uh, he, his fury, his rage uh, intensifies. And uh, he's going to be hurled to the earth. Um, he, this, this devil, Lucifer, the, the deceiver of the whole world. Uh, and because the light of Christ is gone, the church now has been raptured. Um, um, the reality is that, that people are going to believe anything. Um, now at the same time, there's going to be a great revival going on in the world. Um, but people are going to take a choice. They're, they're going to be required to take the mark of the beast to live. And the people that are are have given their hearts to Jesus Christ are not going to take the mark of the beast. It's going to cost them their lives. But the rest of the world is, and they're going to do that, knowing what they're doing. So the deception, Satan. That's who he is. He's a deceiver. And the Antichrist is going to be satanically empowered. And people are going to believe the lie. It's that simple. So that's what they're going to be deceived by in the end times. Um, I'm not sure the connection you're making with Luke chapter 10, verse 18, something completely different. Um, he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's going to happen. Jesus is looking down the corridor of time and space when he does that. Uh, and uh, Isaiah 14, verse 12, doesn't describe the the, the, the event Jesus was talking about. Um, that just um, indicates how he fell from grace. I would also refer you to Ezekiel chapter 28, because there uh, there is uh, some additional information about Lucifer. Good question, Michael. Thank you very, very much. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Lionel. He says, "Can you surrender your life to the power of the devil?" Yeah, Lionel. Unfortunately, God gives us the free will to make that choice. Now, we we don't make blood covenants with the devil. We don't sign away our souls like Hollywood would have you believe. But we surrender our life to the devil if we're not a believer. That the, it's, it's already a surrendered life. I hope that makes sense to you. Paul says that we're all held captive by sin. Well, that's the power of the devil. And Jesus is the only one that can release us from that power of the devil. So um, if we're not following Jesus, we're following the devil. Now, we don't think of it in those terms. In, in all of the years that I was sinning and doing horrible things, uh, I never once thought, well, I'm going to honor the devil, or or I'm going to please the devil. Um, uh, I never said I'm going to surrender my life to the devil. There was a uh, a, a movie uh, baseball player. My, my brain just went on me, but uh, about a, a tab tab hunter starting a movie uh, where a guy sells his soul to the devil and becomes the the the, the greatest Yankee ever. Um, um ray walston 's in that movie, and uh, i'm i 'm by my brain, but anyway you, that doesn 't happen that, yeah it, the movie 's damn Yankees, and I loved it. I loved the movie, but no that that 's not what we do we don 't do that in a pact we we 're given over to the devil uh, he 's the one in charge, even when there is um sin. Uh, whenever there 's sin in our life whenever we 're we 're not surrendered to god we 're surrendered to the lies of the enemy. so I hope that makes sense to you. appreciate it very very much well i can 't believe I just got a five minute heads up here here 's a question from Russell. He says, is obedience rewarded here on earth or only in heaven? Russell, I love that question because Paul and I have been talking about this a lot. As we walk and pray, we're so grateful for the life that God has given us. And, you know, whenever we think about this, we just think, oh, Lord, we live this life that's sweeter, that's more full of joy than we ever could have imagined, certainly than we deserve. And, and you know, it gets only better in heaven, but but obedience is rewarded always, let me give you just a couple of examples. Uh, when we are obedient, according to Acts 5.32, then we are rewarded with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, when we are obedient, the love of God is poured out into our hearts. And all you have to do, Russell, is look around at the life as a Christian, the life that we live. And it's such a life of privilege and honor it's just one of those things that uh, you can't even describe. We, we, we actually have a hard time finding the words to thank God for the joy that we have. We get to talk about the people in the church. And when I say that, we're not talking bad about them. We're talking um, lovingly about them, and we're, we're just so grateful to God for them. And, and then, then even, even when, when people can be difficult, um, that's just God saying, you know what? I can trust you with them. And, and we just, we live such a rich, fulfilling life that um, I, I don't know how it could be any more blessed. Now, does that mean that every desire on our wish list is filled? No. Um, but our obedience, while rewarded here, will be rewarded um, ultimately in heaven as well. So both places, Russell, heaven is a no-brainer. But but here on earth, just look around and I know this sounds cliche ish, but count your blessings. Just think about the things. the The street where I live, I go out and run in the mornings, and I'm, I actually run by four homes um, that that I can say, "Oh Lord, bless them. Thank you for them. You've 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 blessed us with them, and they've been around for a long time." I just, "Oh Lord, you did this." So. Um, Russell, the answer is yes. It's, it's war, rewarded here on earth and in heaven. Okay, Jennifer, you'll be our last question today. Jennifer says, if our sins are forgiven, why do we need to confess them to God? Um, wh- what happens when we ask for forgiveness of sins? Uh, we meet Jesus. We ask him to forgive us. We ask Jesus to take over our lives. Uh, we, we are born again. Um, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are completely wiped away. Past, present, and future. Um, but then, when we walk in sin in this world, our fellowship with God is broken. So it's not a salvation issue. First John one nine. It's not a salvation issue. It's a fellowship issue. If I want to be with Jesus, if I want the power of God. Um, 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 I can't do that when I'm I'm living in unrepentant sin so that's why we confess our sins so we confess our sins to restore that fellowship that's broken by sin God is, is, is light in him there's no darkness at all if we want to walk with God we have to walk in the light and if we take a little detour and we get off then by saying Jesus I'm so sorry forgive me I don't want to do this anymore then he just turns the light back on So we confess our sins to God for restored fellowship. But remember, it's not a salvation issue. Thank you, Jennifer. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Maybe if you listen in tomorrow, I'll do a little bit better. This is the word to stand up for life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then.